individual listeners. I'm Dan Trevanian, Program Director for the Institute for Migrant Rights. This is the IDRIL Podcast, bringing you interviews with the world's leading scholars, addressing current debates, and sharing global perspectives. We're excited to bring you the second part of our mini-series on child marriage. For our first episode, we interviewed Dr. John Mbaku and his recent paper titled International Law and Child Marriage in Africa. This episode, Chris Kaysen interviews Mies Green, an anthropologist who lived in Indonesia and researched labor, gender, and rural industrialization. She has truly seen the issue from all angles. She set up a foundation to help Indonesians in an Indonesian village, has researched the issue as an anthropologist, and is now finishing her PhD on law and society at Leiden University. As always, listen until the end to find the answers. Before we get into the law and talk about uh, the legal ramifications of child marriage, um, from an anthropological perspective, what are the origins of underage or child marriage um, in your experience, in your research? In our research, uh, we looked back uh, at, at the history of in Indonesia, child marriage in Indonesia, in child marriage in Java, I should say. Um, and I think it's very much um, uh, reasons because it was a very agricultural society. And when you um, are a farmer, you need helping hands. Uh, in West Java, the, the, there was very early marriage because um, the son-in-law would stay with his, uh, with the girl's parents and he would uh, put to work. That would be very good. And they even had a system of um, the postponed marriage, meaning that he's or, they're already married, but they were not supposed to have um, intercourse because the girl was still very young. Uh, that is a very uh, practical reason. There also, uh, another reason is that parents were really relying on lots of children because, uh, well, the health situation was still not uh, very good. It's better to have more children to at least have a, a couple of kids that are still uh, alive when when parents are too old. So that type of uh, background uh, is a reason that you see in a lot of, of situations. Um, the Dutch colonial uh, government tried to uh, uh, to end, not end child marriage. That that was is too modern to to say it, but try to avoid very young marriages. Um, because it was already discussion about education, educated uh, people, and also to prevent a lot of uh, really, uh, well, to protect very young girls. But uh, they never managed to make it into laws because already, especially from the the, the late 20s, when um, Muslim parties became much stronger, in, uh, it was still in a colonial setting, but uh, the Muslim uh, 
parliament members were very, very much against, uh, obviously against the Dutch colonial uh, government, but also they wanted to save uh, their traditional Islamic um, norms, which is you get married at a time when you are mentally and bodily, physically ready, which means well, about the age of 14 or 15 for girls when they get their first period, and same for boys. Now that the economy has changed, um, what has caused, do you think, uh, for this tradition or this, these young marriages or child marriages to persist when the, the original need for those marriages has not disappeared, but has definitely waned? Yeah, uh, there's definitely still uh, an element of it, because if you look at the type of uh, work that uh, uh, at specific groups uh, of people in specific types of work, uh, you see that child marriage uh, in Indonesia uh, is mostly, uh, the majority of it is does still done by agricultural, by rural uh, communities uh, so there's still this element uh, it's also of course uh, working in the field is uh, not is uh, a job that's not very um, you don't need a lot of uh, education so that that education is a very important issue in uh, child marriage reasons um, but um, I've been looking in my research at and that's, I think, a very important point, that there's such a diversity of child marriage. Because if we, we talk about child marriage, we see this quite vulnerable young girl getting married with an older man because the family is poor, and then the, the girl gets a better, better future with a, uh, a, a more wealthy husband and uh, the, the parents don't have to look after the girl and well John has explained that very beautifully in, in his, uh, his uh, paper and in, in the talk but um, it's there's more than just that type of child marriage uh, there are groups that are really still very conservative uh, religiously, and they really don't, they still want to keep their, their ideas. In, in West Java, the majority is Islam, but this, this also counts for some other uh, religions in Indonesia, like in Hindu uh, cases. That is one thing. But uh, there are also reasons uh, coming from the child, the girl itself, Cases where they really want to escape their homes, and that could be could be because of extreme poverty, but could also be because of domestic violence, sexual violence, cases of incest, and well, that type of things. That is that is a minority, but it's still an important reason for girls to to try in the, just just marry just whoever as long as they can get get away from home. Um, Another type of, of child marriage is um, uh, the neglected child. Uh, Lise Marcus from Rumah Kitab, she calls it the, the social orphan. So children are not orphans, but uh, 
they are just neglected because their parents are migrants, um, uh, a lot of divorced parents, and then children are sometimes put in care of grandmothers. So broken households is, is also a reason behind child marriage. But the, the two most most modern types of child marriage is uh, love relations, just uh, adolescents uh, who like each other. Uh, with your mobile phone, you can find a nice partner. Facebook is very popular. Uh, or going to school, because if you go to school, to secondary school, it's further away from your house. Like Elementary is always in your own village or in the neighborhood of just of, in in, uh, in cities, but secondary school and especially um, senior high school is further away, and then it, you're outside the, the the control of your parents, and you can try out and I mean adolescence uh, and sexuality, but this is a long story. We can can talk about that later. But it's a real, real thing these days. Uh, not forced, not arranged by parents, not really forced, but they just like each other, love affairs, and then they end up with an early marriage. And the reason why they so often have their choose their partners but still get very early married is because of teenage pregnancy. And that, that is the big, big thing of these days. Well, and so um, after reading your notes, um, asking you about the assumption then that uh, child marriage is by definition a forced activity. Um, yeah. how, how does that reconcile with all, some of the types of child marriage you've been speaking of, where it seems to be the choice of the child or of the bride, I guess. Yeah, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a definitely uh, an important point that is missing in the whole international human rights uh, discourse. Uh, There's very good reasons uh, that people really want to... And, People are really strong about it, like uh, we need to end child marriage uh, or uh, like what John called it, the insidious uh, institution. And it's terrible. Some, some cases of very young uh, forced marriages are horrible. And I fully agree that, that we need to, to do something about it. But there is another part of the the, 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 the the picture and that is uh, like like UN for instance John quoted it since a child does not have the capacity to provide informed consent child marriage is by definition a forced activity well if you look at this especially the, the somewhat older adolescents um, they have much more agency uh, to, first of all, to choose their partner via Facebook or friends in school or whatever. But often also uh, they're trying to, to sometimes they, to, to, they, they sometimes try to avoid marriage, but they also sometimes ask parents to get them married early because they also want 
to, how do you say it, uh, to follow the cultural norms. Like dating is not done because you can have sex and things like that. Uh, but there is a lot of agency and that is what is not included in these um, international debates. So the voices of the adolescents themselves are not heard. And it also has to do with this, well, I mentioned already this, this very stereotype ID and you see these beautiful pictures done by NGOs. Uh, I remember beautiful pictures from Afghanistan and little, really little, little girls with their, their bridal dress and then this guy... Well, maybe probably as old as I am, and well, that 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 is of course well, that shows vulnerability, the whole vulnerable uh, message, and it's not always like that. If we move, if we could move on then to the Convention on the Rights of the Child and SIDA, uh, mm-hmm. have you found that um, in the legal research that you've done or the legal research you've been involved in, um, has that, uh, have the laws tried to address obviously the difference between a a seven-year-old bride and a 17-year-old bride? The age of 18 is a very strict black and white, uh, what's the word in English, static and we know that that uh, adolescents uh, you d- develop in, in with different speed. I mean, some are really more mature than others at the age of eighteen, which which makes it really really difficult. I I know that um, there's now the the, the using the concept of uh, evolving capacity that's now tried to, to be included in, in legal things, especially the, the uh, Convention of the Rights of the Child. They're, they're discussing this because there obviously, obviously is a very big difference between a seven-year-old and a 17-year-old. If you look at Indonesia, it's the, the big majority of young marriages or so-called child marriages because they're under 18, the 17 year old, 17 years old, it's about 94% of all the, percent, the percentage of all the child marriage cases that are registered in Indonesia. And it's, there's only a small minority of, of uh, less than one and a half percentage of, uh, percent of uh, under 16 that, that get married, both for boys and for girls. For boys, even, even less. Boys tend to get married a bit later than girls in general. Well, maybe I could ask you to um, (laughs) narrow in on that subject that you talked about of uh, registered versus unregistered marriages. Um, Again, that comes into the the legal enforcement. And uh, while there is a law on the books and Indonesia is a signatory to the CRC uh, with reservations, however. What is the role of unregistered marriages? Mm-hmm. Uh, in Indonesia, when you get married, you first 
uh, go to that's that's uh, stated in the marriage law. Uh, you first have your religious marriage, the, the religious ceremony, and after that you uh, get registered uh, at the uh, governmental uh, at the court. And there are special subcourts for Muslim people and. Uh, for, for other religions, they go to uh, to the national court, local uh, at local level. But the unregistered unregistered thing is has to do with this age of eighteen. In my research in West Java, and West Java is uh, there's a lot of quite orthodox uh, Muslim societies. Um, Especially when I looked at cases of unregistered marriages, they were younger than the 17 years old. That, uh, that, and it's sometimes because of girls coming from very girls and boys coming from very conservative uh, uh, Muslim uh, societies, and they really want to to get married at well as, as soon as they're starting puberty, and then there is this beautiful Indonesian thing that they say, it's katrol usia, it's, uh, what is it in English, to, 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 to get up the, the, to make up the, 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 the age. Uh, so, uh, there's just some person in the, in the village who just tells them that you are actually 17 years old or, uh, it, Previously, it was 16 years old as the minimum uh, marriage age for girls. Eh? So 17 years old was good. You just put 17 in the, on the papers and while you are still 15 or 14. That is one of the things that's, uh, that's done. And then people just sit, they get married, they, get, they do their religious marriage. So they're officially for, the, for society, for the community. Uh, they are okay. They are uh, accepted as a, as a married couple. But they're not yet registered uh, as the state. And it has a lot of consequences when you have an unregistered marriage. Because, uh, for instance, it's really difficult for women uh, to get divorced if you not have an official state uh, allowed marriage. Um, Things like that. Or your child, if you have a baby, because a lot of these uh, early marriages are because the girl is either pregnant or maybe they expect uh, to, to quickly be pregnant. The babies um, that are born within an unregistered marriage um, will be noted as the child of the mother. And the father's name is not there. And this, of course, is... Very embarrassing and, and difficult, uh, unaccepted status because then then it's really clear that your parents uh, were not officially married and already had a child. So those types of things are very important. But there are cases that uh, where they never register their marriage. Uh, for instance, in polygamous uh, situations, when the girl is the second or the third wife and you're not allowed uh, officially to have uh, a polygamous marriage unless the first wife agrees and uh, a couple of other reasons. So there, there are these cases that people never register their marriage. And in West Java, there's a lot of divorce. 
And that's a kind of way to um, solve the situation of adolescents that are quite curious uh, to find out uh, about their sexuality and they just uh, try out or there's kind of half forced like boyfriend saying, you don't really love me if you don't just want to do it just once, only you won't get pregnant. And then, of course, you do get pregnant. Then you get married. And that is usually unregistered because it's it has to, to be done as quick as possible to, to, to cover the shame and the, the broken norms. But then after two months when it doesn't work out, they can get divorced. It's no, no problem. That, but that is done the religious part and that's because of the parents of the, the boy and the boy itself he has the one is the one who has to say i don't want to stay married with you the talak 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 part so it's 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 complicated but i think reality is always complicated there's much more diversity than than you can capture in a law and i think that is the big problem between the big problem behind enforcement of laws. I think that the, like the Indonesian child protection law is also a very good uh, uh, law, very much, uh, very much used to protect children in really uh, difficult situations. And it's it's uh, trafficking or the domestic violence if they go to the police, because that's also what John told about Africa, but at least the the, the, the potential uh, uh, protection is there. But it doesn't help any of these unregistered uh, and, and, and not wanted to be registered marriages. So it's it's complex. It's a very complicated uh, field. Can you explain some of the harms that, in your eyes, as some of the harms of child marriage or these forced, unregistered marriages? What uh, you, you mentioned something. Uh, you mentioned education already and some ec- economic circumstances, um, but. In the perpetuation of this practice, mm-hmm. what are some of the negative impacts that you have that you see as needing to be addressed by the law or by society? Uh, I think uh, that John uh, has a beautiful uh, the, the, the summary of all the issues that are possible. Uh, problems. Uh, definitely uh, lack of education uh, is, is indeed a very big issue and that's also one of the reasons why the government is eager, the Indonesian government is, is, has really, is really trying to make an end and stop child marriage, uh, make an end to child marriage because it's, it's in the interest of the government to have a more educated, a better educated young generation uh, like like what uh, what what john also uh, mm-hmm. explained also from an economic economical and development uh, ideas um, 
But obviously, uh, a lack of education also means that it's more difficult to look after your baby or babies because, uh, well, as young, the younger you are, the more opportunities to have more babies. Uh, but uh, girls uh, have a problem, and especially when they also marry young uh, boys. It, it's a very vulnerable little household. Often they're still staying at one of the parents, so it's 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 there's troubles with with uh, parents-in-law. There's also trouble economic tr- troubles because the boy also doesn't have a lot of education. He also stops his education and then he has to find a job and uh, you don't find the, the jobs with the, with the best uh, pay, with the best salaries. So they already start in, 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 a, in, in a difficult situation. Uh, there is a lot of um, problems uh, just between the couple because, well, you know, when you're in, uh, a teenager, you're not really very stable yet in, in your emotions and, and your own uh, development. So there's a lot of uh, uh, fights and, and, and unpleasant situations for the young couple itself. Health, health-wise, um, in the village itself, people didn't really mention uh, too much about health issues. But uh, if you look at the wider scale and, and the more st- look at statistics, etc., cetera, uh, then it's, there's a lot of uh, uh, cases of, well, uh, problems uh, during pregnancy, the problems when the baby gets born, the very difficult uh, deliveries. Uh, and the babies themselves are sometimes a uh, lot of stunted uh, issues because the mother is already not not uh, has lack of nutrition and then having to to have a baby uh, being growing uh, takes a lot of of uh, the nutrition of the mother so that type of things are definitely uh, a consequence of very young marriages but in the village itself, it's not something that people um, see as a very big problem because if it's the, if maternal mortality is uh, so much, uh, so many people on on it's still quite quite high in Indonesia. But when you look at your neighbors, uh, you don't have thousand neighbors, so it's only once in a while to hear of a story of someone who. Died at uh, childbirth or whatever, but in in for from a governmental uh, from from a, a national um, view, it is a real issue. The very very important thing uh, that uh, is a problem for adolescents is the total lack or almost total lack of uh, sexual and reproductive health knowledge. And that is because of sexuality is seen as a, as a big taboo. It's not something that you, you you do it, but you don't talk about it. And the fact that in schools, for instance, nowadays they try to, to include a little bit of um, uh, sexual and reproductive health uh, issues in senior high school, but that's too late. 
because most of the cases of child marriage happen at junior uh, junior secondary school when they are 13 14 years old and they, they start to to find they're just curious and and they want to 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 they don't know a lot about their, their their bodies. At the most, they get a little bit of information during the biology uh, uh, class, but they don't talk about sex. And, and the whole idea is that as the more adolescents know about uh, knowledge about sexual and reproductive health, the, the, the myth is that they will... Uh, want to, to do it and there will be even more pregnancies and more sexual relations outside of wedlock uh, which in which is a real myth if, if you compare this with uh, countries where they are much more open have a much uh, better uh, knowledge about these issues they're, they're really really amongst adolescents they have they don't talk to their parents about this about sexual it's it's a taboo thing to discuss just before you get married there's a tiny tiny maybe 15 minutes talk to 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 to, to the girl about what's going to happen just follow your husband then you will find out what uh, what will happen and um, that makes life really difficult and that's why teenage pregnancy or the fear of of premarital uh, Pregnancy is is a really really big uh, difficult thing, and that that's also a reason why girls uh, stop uh, going to school, because the schools don't want uh, pupils who have some knowledge of uh, of uh, sexuality, of uh, who have uh, experienced uh, uh, get married. And well, okay, boys are not in that. Uh, difficult, not considered as uh, as a problem, but girls who know what to do and what not to do, it's too much, and uh, they just don't uh, don't accept them at school. So it's not only the child, uh, the girl that that wants to stay home, and usually when when there's a baby, it's always the girl that uh, that looks after the child. And uh, we had cases that. Uh, <laughs> A very highly pregnant girl was uh, lying on the sofa in, in, in with uh, with her mother-in-law. They were living this, uh, with her in-laws, and her young hus- husband was just uh, running around because it was the kite season, and he had to get his kites. And she was just lonely and really nearly at, at nine months uh, pregnant. That type of uh, situations you you see. So I think that it's it's education in general, but definitely also in this case the lack the lack of uh, sexual and uh, reproductive health issues. So, uh, do you think overall, and maybe this addresses uh, all the issues there? The you mentioned that in a village. Of course, mm-hmm. child marriage in there seems very normal to them as mm-hmm. um, as being isolated in the village. But there seems to be a lot less isolation now. There's more access to information and understanding yep. and um, s- s- sexual education um, to some mm-hmm. extent. Um, some information better is better than other information. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it definitely... Yeah. 
gives them an out us some insight into what is outside of their village and what is outside of their norms. Do you think that's had a positive effect or any effect at all? Uh, mobility, both in, in, in uh, literal uh, sense of the ability to go on, on uh, these little uh, taxis to go to the town, but also the um, uh, mobile phones, uh, that type of mobility is, is absolutely increasing. Um, parents are not getting this. Uh, the, the, many parents told me, uh, yes, my child is on Facebook, but uh, we are really worried because they don't know what Facebook is and, and they don't use it. So there's a big uh, generation uh, gap here. Um, it, 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 it's ironically going to school that we all want and that I also support with my foundation. Going to school could also be end up in an early marriage because as, as what I said before, uh, they have the freedom. They go to outside the village, further from home, out of the control of the parents and, and neighbors. Don't forget the neighbors. And they just experiment and uh, they have a love relation or whatever. Uh, and, and they end up with teenage pregnancy and the girl has to go home. So it's, it's 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 difficult. This mobility, it, it, of course, they get a lot more uh, knowledge, uh, also on 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 online. But there's also a lot of real porno because they're looking at, uh, they're trying to find information on sexuality, and they end up with um, plain uh, pornography. Uh, so it, it's it's a yes and a no, I think. Uh, for mobility. Yeah, that's an interesting perspective. I guess my instinct is always that more information and with more mobility would lead inexorably to fewer child marriages. Yeah. Um, so I think yeah. that's a very interesting perspective that can also <laughs> uh, lead to more. Um, I guess we it's sort of a Western view that we think um, Progress always means less of those less people getting married yeah. older, and etc. And that's definitely not the case. Um, to compare to uh, the John's writing on Africa yeah. and his uh, session, um, how do you think? What are some of the similarities? I guess you've mentioned many of the similarities already, but what are some distinctions that are either unique to Indonesia or at least uh, different than some of the findings of the African continent? I, that's a very difficult question because Africa is also very diverse. And Indonesia is very diverse because, uh, yeah, I'm talking about, I'm speaking about uh, West Java, which is a really very populated uh, area. A lot of changes also in, in economy and the whole development thing. But there are many cases that there are areas and, and all those, uh, I don't know how many thousand islands, uh, hundreds of thousands of islands, whatever it is in Indonesia, those are small uh, communities, small societies, and they are sometimes very much following their 
customary uh, relations. And that is probably more like some of the very traditional uh, situations in Africa. Uh, I think from a, from a, as an anthropologist, I think it's always very important to look at kinship. Uh, the issue in or issue the the situation on Java is uh, a bilineal uh, kinship. So both from the parents, uh, the father's uh, uh, family and the mother's family, they are equal. While in some other places in Indonesia, like in Bali and North Sumatra and Batak, it's patrilineal. Uh, and that's, I think, happens uh, a lot too in, in, uh, in Africa. And, or for, for instance, in India, that's also a real, real uh, issue, this child marriage, because the bride always goes to the family of the, of the father. Of the of the guy, and also the children are belonging to the father's line. So when there's a divorce, and this, for instance, happens in Bali, the mother uh, has no access to the child, and that also happens in in Indonesia, like in Bali, in in, in Batak, and some other uh, smaller uh, groups. But the big majority of Indonesians live on Java, and that's by uh, lineal. Of course, we also in Indonesia we have the matrilineal uh, situation, and that's slightly different uh, again. So I, I think I, I just can't I can't judge the the difference the real differences with uh, comparing Africa and, and and Indonesia. But I think it's we have to look at the context. So we have to look at. Things like kinship, but also things like, uh, well, the, the types of religion. I mean, even in Islam, there are many streams, uh, more orthodox, less orthodox, etc., which really, really has an impact on whether or not uh, child marriage uh, will, will happen. Um, yeah, I think, well, ethnical, uh, ethnicities, uh, Indonesia... Uh, is one big nation, but um, their slogan is uh, still um, unity and diversity. And that, that's, in a sense, maybe that's easier for Indonesia because it's one nation. And in Africa, there are so many nations. But I think the, the African, uh, the way um, of uh, uh, the African Union, uh, who is trying to... to to combine all these things is really would be really interesting for Indonesia to look at at how they deal with all these separate states, which in Indonesia are maybe separate provinces uh, with their specific ethnicities and, and religious backgrounds, etc. But uh, well, uh, uh, well, it, it's really difficult to compare. I think, uh, yeah. Yes, it was definitely an overgeneralized question because, of course, the oh, diversity... But it's an important the, question. I, it's an important question, and we should look more to see what, 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 uh, how, how to learn from each other. And, and I think, well, I, I heard John also saying that we need more research on, and, and look at comparison and uh, look at the specificities and look also at diversity because I think that is really, really a very important thing 
at the society uh, level of society, its diversity. And then you have the legal things where you want to have united one uh, type of, yeah, you have to have strict uh, laws and not uh, a lot of diversity there. And of course, there's diversity in the laws themselves. There's the, the secular national law, the religious law, and of course, the local, as they call it here, the Adat law. Um, yeah. So I guess as a, so, uh, as a closing, um, what, what do you think needs to be done? I mean, uh, is the law enough? Is there more education or what? What can at least lead, if not to ending child marriage in the sense that anyone under 18, but in mm -hmm. uh, re getting to the point where the problems resulting from these marriages are, of course, not solved, but at least less acute? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think we should be aware both at the legal level and also at the uh, policy level that we need to work uh, to empowerment and protection and i mention like to mention the ministry of um, women and children which officially is called the ministry of empowerment of women and protection of children and that's both are, are two very good uh, good uh, things, of course, but I would like to see it in, in a wider thing and say, look, women also need protection. And children, and specifically girls, also need empowerment. Of course, they need protection for all the terrible situations that children can, can end in. But having empowering children and that's i think why it goes back to the uh, agency of adolescence they are big enough to 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 be empowered i mean for the little really little ones seven years old that are married uh, forced married uh, well you can still try to empower them but that is really an issue of protection very much protection from different different uh, um, actors but uh, and I think for from the legal perspective also, how do we create a space for empowerment? And we always talk about consent, and then it's it should be informed consent. Informed consent is of course part part of empowerment. When you know more. There are many children that have no idea what marriage means. I mean, of course, you know that your parents are married, but you don't you don't know what what it really means. And sometimes you have these rosy ideas about uh, uh, hardworking girls who say, "Oh, I would really like to get married, and then I'll just sit at home and have a nice house, and my husband looks after me." Uh, well, there are other things also in marriage that happens, and. That type of information, knowledge, spreading knowledge, that is really a big part of enforcement of the law. So well, maybe parts of the law are, are already okay. I'm a bit worried about the fact that they recently raised the marriage age in Indonesia for girls to 19 years, the minimum age of marriage, 19 years. 
to make it equal with what it was for boys. This is a big uh, discussion uh, at the Constitutional Court, uh, which is from the perspective of the government. If everyone would uh, stay unmarried till they are 19, then you have a really well-educated uh, young population and, and it's good for development and, and good for health of, of, the, of the, the young people and, and uh, their education, etc. But how do you manage? As a, as, as a, I mean, I know in, in, in America you have some really special groups that they, they, they vow for abstinence and uh, it's under 18. And, and then the girls make a vow to their parents and they say that they're, and they're really serious. It's no kissing, no touching hands, no doing anything, real abstinence. And then when you're 18, you can get married and uh, do all the things that you're thinking of. But Indonesia, abstinence, full abstinence. There is a group in Indonesia that says uh, we are Indonesia without dating. Indonesia tanpa pacaran. And that is a growing movement that we shouldn't have dating. But it's not like the American version where it means abstinence. But in Indonesia they say just get married before, you, before you're going to date. Get married first. And then you date and dating uh, dating means sex. So that is, uh, that's a big issue, I think, in, in Indonesia. That's Mies Green explaining child marriage in Indonesia, the clash of law and society, how social issues must inform our legal responses. This was the final part of our mini-series. We hope you enjoyed. The IJL podcast is an initiative of the Institute for Migrant Rights with production by Dan Trevanian and Widi Anto. Special thanks to Chris Kaysen, Sarah Affin, and Pran Iskandar. You can learn more at ijil.org. That's I-J-I-L dot org. I'm Dan Trevanian. Rate and follow this podcast on Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Tune in to the next episode for another global perspective.